Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers open their season with a blowout loss to the Golden State Warriors despite watching LeBron, AD, and Russ all play pretty well. That's probably not great. Lakers lose 123-109 to in Golden State as the Warriors pick up their rings and and put us through the longest ring ceremony in the history of ring ceremonies, rings or ceremonies. Uh, again, LeBron, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. Anthony Davis, 27 points, 6 boards, 4 steals, 2 blocks. Um, he shoots 10 of 22. LeBron shoots 12 of 25. Russ goes for 19, 11, 3 assists. He shoots 7 of 12 from, from the field. Uh, if I was just to say that, that was the entry point into the game, you would say, oh, okay, that should be enough to keep the Lakers relatively afloat. But it wasn't. The Lakers, you know, they kind of treaded water for, for long enough. Um, Steph started the game off 0 of 5 from 3-point range. Klay Thompson started the game off 0 of 3 from 3-point range. Eventually, those guys started hitting, and the game was over. <laughs> the The Lakers, um, it was 22-25 in favor of Golden State after the first. Then uh, Golden State expanded that lead by four at the end of the second. Then the third, uh, 32-19, was the score in that quarter, and the game was never particularly close after that. The Lakers outscored them in the fourth, but that was a lot of the fake comeback stuff that we saw throughout last season. Um, so just in terms of like game notes here, I think it's probably not great that Matt Ryan is getting rotation minutes uh, because the Lakers are that desperate to find shooting. I don't think it's great that Damian Jones couldn't get off of the bench on a night that we found out Thomas Bryant had hand surgery. Uh, Wendy Gabriel was the backup big, but he was clearly outsized there. So that means you're really relying on Anthony Davis as essentially your only playable center, which is not ideal. He looked incredible, especially for, for, for defense or on defense. Anthony Davis looked about as good as you could possibly want him to look. Uh, and, and, and again, while the Lakers were kind of pseudo competitive, it always felt like they were holding onto the tiger's tail and, and eventually they were going to get bit and, you know, eventually that's how that played out. So, you know, I don't think every game is going to be as tough a matchup as this one is, but I also don't think the Lakers did themselves any favors with like the starting lineup with Russ out there. Um, I don't think they, they did themselves any favors with the off season that they had, obviously. Um, but I think my biggest takeaway here is like this whole Russ thing, it's got to stop. I want to be absolutely clear here, as I have been throughout the offseason and into the preseason and now into the regular season. I really do respect how Russell Westbrook has handled this situation. I respect how LeBron has handled this situation. Don't really respect how Polinka has, has done stuff because I don't think he's done a good job. But I think we have arrived at a place that the Lakers either need to fully commit to Russ and say he's not being moved, this is our team, we are moving forward as such, or send him home. But this whole like sitting on the fence and waiting for some team to get desperate enough to get their hands on the Lakers' future picks that they take only one of them, it's, it's going to sink the Lakers' season sooner rather than later. I thought the vibes around this game were not great. 
LeBron in particular. I thought on a night that uh, Steph gets his ring and on a night that the, the Warriors get to kind of rub the Lakers' faces in their, in their success, I would have thought that LeBron comes out with higher energy consistently than he did. And again, he played well. He played well enough, 31 points Again, on 12 of 25, shooting 3 of 10 from three-point range. Some of the three-pointers that he was taking, I thought, were pretty lackadaisical, though. And and I, I just feel like a lot of the vibes here have a lot to do with the fact that the Lakers went through an entire offseason anticipating a Russell Westbrook trade. Um, as things currently stand, the fact that Russ hasn't been traded has nothing to do with actual commitment that the Lakers have made to him. It has more to do with the fact that the Lakers don't want to have to pay essentially to get rid of Russell Westbrook and, you know, say nothing as far as like, if the Lakers aren't committed to Russ, how is he committed to the Lakers? But how are his Russ's teammates committed to the situation either? They're probably getting, they're, they're playing in minimalized roles uh, because there are too many guards because they, this roster was built with a Russ trade in mind. Um, and that makes it, tricky the the chemistry there's no way that there can be even like decent chemistry given that everybody's just kind of waiting for for the elephant in the room to be let out of it and uh, you know it it's it sucks it it sucks the way that this all has gone down it sucks that it hasn't worked out but at some point Rob Polinka is going to have to be a leader and make a tough decision here and make a sacrifice and until he does, we're just going to be stuck here waiting for everybody to be done completely with each other. And and I think we're already starting to see some signs with it. LeBron's questioning the roster construction after game one. It's, this isn't going anywhere. Speaking of not going anywhere, I had some thoughts on Genie Bus. Few words are more synonymous than LeBron James and legacy. Anytime he ties his shoes, it's some statement about how well his bunny ears compare to Michael Jordan's loop, swoop, and pull. So while you might think he has more at stake than anyone in any given season, it's actually his principal governor, Jeannie Buss, whose reputation in her role with the Lakers is at greater risk this year. Buss has lived a charmed life, even beyond everything that comes along with being Dr. Jerry Buss's kid. For years, she got to be the most popular Buss sibling simply through comparison to Jim's failings. Now, though, despite her claims at wanting accountability, she's bristled at any questioning of her leadership, especially as it pertains to her inner circle of Linda and Kurt Rambis, Rob Polinka, and Tim Harris, plus the open-door policy she has with Magic Johnson and Phil Jackson. The Lakers currently employ one of the thinnest front offices in the NBA, and arguably one of its least diverse, as basically everyone she has hired has been a loyal personal friend. No one would care if the Lakers were achieving consistent success, but they've been more consistent in missing expectations in the five years since Jeannie fired her brother and Mitch Kupchak. Yes, the Lakers do have a title under their belt, and that can never be discounted no matter how hard people try with all the bubble nonsense. But they've also missed the playoffs in two of the four seasons with James and were swiftly eliminated in the first round in another, and now head into this season poised to once again merely compete for a spot in the play-in tournament. As the Lakers have slid since winning that championship two years ago, Jeannie's younger brothers, Jesse and Joey, 
have reportedly gained power within the organization, something fans have welcomed with full-throated support because of their success with the scouting department. Could they be experiencing the popularity by comparison to Jeannie that she once enjoyed with Jim, with the key difference being that they have had an impact on basketball, whereas Jeannie has always focused on the business side of things? Palinka's latest contract drew ire, and notably, was never announced publicly as it was last time the Lakers extended him. It seemed odd that Jeannie would extend Palinka shortly after the most frustration, frustrating season in Lakers history, but so long as Palinka is in this position, there is a ceiling to how high Jesse and Joey can climb. That extension cooled Palinka's seat considerably, but if the Lakers once again struggle because he couldn't trade Russell Westbrook, Jeannie might have to either bring in somebody to the general manager that was that has remained unfilled since Palinka's post-Johnson promotion or allow her younger brothers to assume more responsibility. The Lakers would market themselves as exceptional, but under both Jim and Jeannie are better known around the league for not investing in various aspects of the organization, which again, wouldn't matter if this bare bones front office got results, but they haven't. Either Jeannie will have to invest in a franchise she runs or her leadership will continue to be questioned until eventually, if we aren't there already, fans start calling for her to lose some responsibility. You know, actual accountability the kind Jeannie loves to say she welcomes. And as all this goes on, the Lakers remain a vote away from a sale. Our own Harrison Fagan wrote about what it would take to arrive at a place where the Lakers would be for sale, but essentially four of the six siblings would have to okay the decision. Jeannie has said she would never vote to sell. Most recently, Janie said she would want to keep it in the family. As, and as their foes to poised to potentially take over, Jesse and Joey likely wouldn't vote to sell either anytime soon. Johnny and Jim, though, probably different stories. So if at any time two of Janie, Jesse, or Joey change their minds, the Lakers could potentially hit the market. In other words, the Lakers won't be up for sale anytime soon, even though the bus siblings don't flex the same financial muscle as ownerships around the league and would stand to immediately take in close to a billion dollars each, given what potential franchises are going for now. But that doesn't mean the Lakers won't Lakers fans won't keep pressuring the bus family to sell if things continue to fall the way that they have the last two seasons. Nor will they stop clamming for Jesse or Joey to wrestle power away from Jeannie if the Lakers once again put us through whatever the hell last season was. So yeah, one might think LeBron always has the most to gain and lose in, in a Lakers organization in any given year. But it's actually Jeannie who desperately wants to avoid being seen the same way Jim was at the end of his tenure. And if this offseason is any indicator, it's not looking great. All right, that's going to do it for this incredibly long night <laughs> recapping a Lakers loss. Um, if you've missed anything, Harrison and I previewed the season earlier yesterday in the Lakers lounge after the game. Harrison, Raj, and I went live on Spaces. I have since converted that audio, and that is on the podcast feed. And then we just had this lowdown here today. Later today, you're going to get Raj and Sabrina recapping yesterday and looking ahead to Thursday's game against the Clippers. Then obviously you have the Taco Tuesdays guys recording uh, because they weren't there for uh, Tuesday or yesterday, or whatever today is. <laughs> and then we carry out the rest of the week as we normally would. But until then, and until I talk to you guys next, this is an extremely exhausted Anthony Irwin saying good night. <laughs>